Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. Oh yeah, and I'm David. Oh, welcome to the show! (laughs) (laughs) This week we're talking about Toy Story 3. The 2010 sequel to Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 1. Uh, We last saw our heroes in Toy Story 2, which came out in, was it 99? Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah. I don't so a, a, full, a full eleven years later, yeah, they took their time. We get this, this movie, Toy Story Two. Of course, um, you probably listened to last week. If you haven't, you can go find that on on our podcast archives. But it, it found our toys leaving the house, leaving Andy's house to go rescue Woody from Al's toy barn. Al is a toy collector who was trying to complete his Woody's roundup set, and all he needed was the final piece, Sheriff Woody. So the team had to go in and save him and bring him back, uh, along with some new friends. And now we're here, ten years later, Toy Story 3 opens with Woody, not Woody, Andy, is about to go to college. He's a grown kid now. Hold back your tears. They're cleaning up the house. He's got to figure out which toys are going to get thrown away, which toys are going to get donated, and which toys he might want to keep. Um... He decides to keep his original core toys, the toys we know from Toy Story, but they get mixed up and thrown out in the trash and end up donated to, what was the name of the daycare? Sunnyside. Sunnyside Daycare. Woody was going to go to college with Andy, but he had to go save his friends, and then we're left out on an adventure that we'll talk about now. Toy Story 3. This is a rough movie. What's everybody's one word? Wrecked. Hmm. Like Rex. Nope, like wrecked. like like it done wrecked me. <laughs> it done wrecked me. It left me in uh, shambles. It tore me apart, and then it humpty dumptyed me. It built me back up. <laughs> it knocked me off the wall, and I was in pieces. And then it, and all the king's horses and all the king's men were able to put Humpty Dumpty together again at the end of this movie. Oh wow. I was still broken. But I, I look forward to your happiness. Rotten, <laughs> that sounds like your rotten tomatoes blurb. You know, yeah, it does. Oh, like, yeah. You always have like little, little too clever, clever, hundred and forty character reviews. <laughs> David, what's your word? Cathartic. Cathartic. That's yeah, pretty good. Cathartic. It was. That's my my college word of the day. All right. <laughs> you, that was a off the calendar this uh, morning. Yeah, I am going to go with incredible. Incredible. Mm. Mm. Okay. I'm Andrew actually watched The Incredibles this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say. <laughs> Not there, but it is Pixar. Mine is change, change, changes. You don't have the rights. <laughs> That's why I stopped. <laughs> we get we like fifteen seconds. I think yeah, is all you I have get. another word. What's your, hey, 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 now, we only word. get hey, one. No, let the man speak. What is this? <laughs> Changing the game. He has uh, another word. I have another word because you hope, took you took my wreck. I hope oh, it's good. <laughs> really? What are the other that? Gone first? Uh, Wait, so you have three? What? You have three words? I have one as a backup. And you have two backups. I've yes. had backups before. <laughs> you got to have your backups. There's three, there's three people here that could ruin it for yes. you. Yes. Beautiful. Aw, cute. Interesting. It's a beautiful. So we got movie. beautiful. What was your other one? Incredible. He already incredible. forgot. <laughs> beautiful, incredible, changed, cathartic, cathartic. wrecked. So that uh, kind of, you know, that doesn't really cover all the emotions I thought it would. Those are all fairly, they range from, um, Sad mm-hmm. to uh, just good generally. Yeah, I was no not good, looking, no good emotions equated with those words. <laughs> I was not looking forward to this. I was, but I wasn't. I, I, this is the first time that I've seen Toy Story three 
since it came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, it left me wrecked then, and I knew what was going to happen, and what happened happened. I have in my notes, and we'll talk about it throughout, uh, a, what I dubbed a cry alert, and any time that the tears started to well, I wrote it down because I was afraid. And uh, there's a lot more than I anticipated. I thought it was mostly going to be at the end, but I was wrong. It it was like five minutes in. <laughs> Did not take too long. You got emotional. Really? You got emotional yeah. when uh, when uh, you got a friend in me faded t- faded out, didn't you? When it goes, mm. friendship will never die. die, die, die. Um, it was. Uh, <laughs> let me see. When was the first one? The first one I said. Um, this is about an age thing. This is the time when you're leaving behind an entire chapter and the emotional attachment to everything is strong. And seeing how upset Woody is, is making me sad. It's whenever he was calling the uh, the meeting mm-hmm. and there was only a few of them left. And I went, oh no, <laughs> start it now. And it never stopped. Yeah, there was there was not many, not many toys left. And they talk about that a little bit. Um, the people they said goodbye to along the way, mm-hmm. uh, Bo Peep especially is mentioned. Uh, yeah. Woody's uh, love interest. Right, and I think they mention uh, R.C. and Wheezy. I think are the other ones they mentioned by name, but I could have that wrong. So that solves that is solves that mystery. Yeah. Because I was wondering, like, I was wondering what happened to uh, R.C. Yeah, you were, you mentioned R.C. in our Toy Story One review because you noted that his remote control seems to get lost during the rocket takeoff scene, and it renders him useless. Yeah, but That's maybe true. they found a way around that. Who knows? Um. Let's talk about before we get into more of your cry alerts. <laughs> let's talk about some of our favorite moments from a uh, joy perspective. Then we'll talk about our favorite moments from an emotional perspective. Because I don't want to call them least favorites. No, they're not. They're still good. Yeah, they're oh, just yeah. very sad. They're very specific. My least favorite moments are literally moments. Like they are not full scenes. But we'll get into those in a minute. Yeah, let's talk about our moments that gave us joy first. Who wants to start there? I think there's... I have two of them. Okay. The first one... Just two? I know. I have two. Uh, just two to start with. You heartless. But, like... First one is kind of stupid. But, like... <laughs> well, whatever. I, I loved... I could not stop laughing at the assembly of tortilla slash cucumber potato head. Oh, yeah. man. Tortilla head was fantastic. That, that, was yeah, really that, kills, that killed me. Ever since I saw it in the theater, it kills me now. <laughs> well, it just comes so that. far out of nowhere. Like, yes. that's in that's near the end, and they're in the middle of the heist. Right. And potato head gets put in the box again. He had been put in the box before. He's back in there. And they're going through this heist, and then all of a sudden, Jesse just goes, get the tortilla. And with no context... And we're all like, what the yeah, hell? What is that What's the tortilla doing? They slide it out they the door. Slide it out the door, and then, yep, he, he rises as Tortilla Head. And it's so, that whole, it, like, the it, physical comedy and the animation that goes into making that look so good is just fantastic. It really opens up a lot of questions about Potato Head because it, 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 it shows us that he gets his life from his pieces, yeah. not his body. Yeah. His body is lifeless. It really makes you wonder what the consciousness, where it's held. Where is, his, is, where it is his, the consciousness? There's yeah. no brain no. component. So, like, is it like his eyes see, his ears hear, his hands move, but, like, what controls all see, of that in unison? We see that demonstrated a little bit with Mrs. Potato Head, too, when she can still see through her eye that is at Andy's house. Yeah. While she's at the daycare, she can still cover her other eye and see what Andy's doing. Very creepy, the uh, complexities of 
The potatoes. The potato life force. (laughs) (laughs) What was your other one? The other one was Buzz Lightyear's Spanish Tango. Oh, that was great. Oh, my gosh. Spanish Buzz was pretty good. Spanish Buzz. Not just the first one. There was another one, too. Like in the end credits? Oh, yeah, yeah. When they danced to a Spanish version of You Got a Friend in Me, which I had completely forgotten about. On my on my rewatch, I went. Oh, I forgot about this whole <laughs> this whole sequence, and it's like a Spanish. You got a friend in me. <laughs> yeah, Buzz gets sort of turned into like a like a Spanish telenovela. They, they accidentally turn on the Spanish mode, and it's and it's very much like a Spanish soap opera or telenovela version interpretation of Buzz Lightyear. He's mm-hmm. very over the top and and camp yeah. Buzz Lightyear, but in the more Spanish version, which is. Played for all the laughs you would think it would get. Mm-hmm. David, what were your scenes? Um, the whole breakout sequence is great. Um, you know, they, they come up with the plan or, you know, they come up with the plan and then they, they slowly start executing the plan and you kind of don't know what they're doing. That's the that's the hallmark of any good breakout scene and any good, like, prison break or, or heist film where you know elements of the plan, but you don't know everything so that when surprises happen... Um, and they turn out to be a part of the plan. It's always great. Like, um, I think part of the plan was uh, Potato Head getting put in the box. Part of the plan was uh, them. What is it? It was uh, there was a, there was a surprise that you don't see coming. I think it was. I can't remember now, but just anyway, them. You know, Woody and and Slinky sneaking in and getting the monkey and. Uh, baby big baby sitting on that sling set the big baby's terrifying uh they weren't expecting him to be out there and his head whips around real fast that was a really awesome moment Mm -hmm. all the way leading up to them getting to the dumpster so uh, i love that whole breakout scene i love um the introductory the introduction of sunnyside um because prior to the reveal of what sunnyside's actually like it was a very like I was like oh this is kind of great this is like a nice idyllic world where like you know kids never really grow out of the toys and they're also you know everything's so great everybody's so friendly and they have like repair stations this is great it's like retirement for yeah. for for toys and then it turns out to be like prison for toys <laughs> yeah it's a torture chamber where they're just beat up and colored on and painted and thrown away but, hell so I love that introduction and then I obviously I love the turn later on but uh yeah those are some of my more favorite moments okay yeah, I, some years. I really enjoyed the introduction to ken yes. uh, mm-hmm. their his interaction with barbie when they first meet is quite hilarious yes. uh, they see each other you hear dream weaver playing in the background uh he goes to compliment her leg warmers and <laughs> she compliments his ass scott and I just like nice that little ass delay. Scott. Yeah, I love nice it. It's so funny. Ass Scott. And then during the breakout scene, um, I really enjoyed her part of manipulating Ken. Right. Because Ken is always in this weird, like the Ken doll is always in this weird, like, is it a, I mean, it's a boy, but it's a girl's toy, but it's a boy. And so there's. He's an accessory to Barbie. The, the character that Michael Keaton portrays in this is a very, he's. People look at him and kind of think, oh, what is this guy doing? But he's very secure in himself, and I like that. It's mm-hmm. just owning who you are. But what I really enjoy in the breakout scene is no one ever wants to see him, like, try on all his outfits, and he's really proud of it. And mm-hmm. so Barbie manipulates him by, like, I want to see you wear your clothes. And he does this fashion show, and he's just owning it mm-hmm. until he gets tied up. Yeah. But, like, just Ken himself, I think, is a great 
character. His little and dancers his, and stuff. And yeah. How great is Michael Keaton all the time? Every day of the week. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I was I was gonna say I really enjoyed the uh the scene where she find or kid finally gets to show off all his clothes to Barbie. That was hilarious, the the montage, the catwalk montage. It's kind of funny because I have always thought that that was sort of a a bad move. Well, maybe not a bad move, but I always thought that was sort of like a lesser a lesser film would have done something like that because Pixar has been known for great original music mm-hmm. that accompanies their films. And this was like the first film that I can actively remember. Well, maybe Cars used Life as a Highway, which was an existing song, but they made a new version of that. And this was like a film that used outside music like Dreamweaver and La Freak. And I was like, this kind of seems like something DreamWorks would do is have like a mon- a, dre- a closed montage to La Freak. But ugh, Pixar just does it better when it comes down to it. They know when to use it's it. It's just so, it just works yeah. at, mm-hmm. on, a, on a humor level. And though it is something I could easily see any company doing is just buying their rights to some song like that and then doing a, a goofy bit. Just something about it. I don't know. Yeah. It just works. So there was a couple I was going to bring up. I really liked... I, I love the opening scene where we get to see the toys being played with. I like that that's now a, a fixture of these movies, how they open. But what I really appreciated was how it was like a modernized version of the first scene in the first Toy Story movie with one-eyed Bart, Potato Head, uh, stealing money from the train. Mm-hmm. A lot of the same lines are there. We get to hear, yeah. oh, ho, ho, money, 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 money. Yeah, again. Does, money, money, money. <laughs> uh, I'm very happy about that. The <clears throat> evil Dr. Porkchop yes. is a spaceship yeah, and they're that now, flies over. They're in cahoots now. It's like a video game version of play well, it's like, for it's, an older kid. It's what... Um, Andy sees in his imagination. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to in the first one, we see it literally as we see it, but getting to see it through his eyes basically is how mm-hmm. this version works. And, and it's and this time we get Jesse and Bullseye added into the mix, so it's fun. And the other one is a was a bit of a a strange but cool moment where Lotso is about to stop the toys from leaving again, and Barbie has this moment <laughs> where she says. Authority should derive from the consent of the governed, not from threat of force, mm-hmm. which is a really complex thought yeah. for a kid's movie. It is. And it's so out of the blue that uh, Ham and Potato Head even do a little look at each other like, what did she just say? It's, I don't know. I, it, I, it's a really fascinating moment for me. It is. And it, I think it reflects that idea that, you remember we talked about Mattel didn't want Barbie to be in the movie? Than the first Toy Story oh, yeah, because yeah. they wanted to have because they have a very controlled sense of what Barbie represents. Basically, I think this is part of that. Barbie's supposed to be a role model, and while she kind of plays in this movie a role that it is kind of somewhat aloof, but somewhat you know, some like she's kind of aloof but smart. She's a little bit gullible, but she's um. But she's kind of, when she figures things out, she's like, oh, this is bad, Ken. I'm not going along with this, right? And so, like, they kind of present her as this, like, role model moment, you know? Yeah. Like, this is the kind of thing that, like, old Barbies would have said, you know, like, in the, like, Barbie for president kind of character yeah. idea. Yeah, I, I love that, that Barbie gets this line. And, and I really love that in this animated children's movie in 2010, we get this moment where no words are minced. They're having having this message sent out that authority comes from people allowing you to have it, not from you taking it. 
Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's just cool. Mm-hmm. It is. His picks are being cool. Okay. Uh, any other moments? We've all gone around once. Uh, any other stragglers? Um, I'm trying to think of another scene that was really special. Um, that I I just re- oh you know I really liked uh Woody. Well, I really liked Woody uh, in Bonnie's room when Bonnie is playing and she's kind of playing like uh, like tea party and she's just very sweet you know she puts something in the microwave and she makes the sound she beep beep boop and then pulls it out and gets to and pulls the string and he says there's somebody's poison the water hole and she's like poison and she's like it's the witch my favorite part is when she dives into her toy chest with woody and she's got all her stuffed animals with her and she goes i think we got away and then with her other hand she slowly raises up dolly in the background <laughs> which like behind her so she's not looking what and she's like, ah. <laughs> so like I don't know. Bonnie was uh, ridiculously adorable in this, and uh, she was like her an play. Andy. Yeah. yeah, she was like, a, she was like a young Andy with the level of creativity she had and how much she cared about her toys, and so it really made me uh, like her. Even though you obviously the whole time I'm rooting for them to get back to Andy's house. I really enjoyed. <clears throat> Learning about Lotso's backstory. That was good, too. So, Lotso, in my opinion, in of these three movies, is the best villain. Like, he is a bad guy through and through. And what they did with him is <laughs> more than... It's similar to what they did with Jesse. But instead of Jesse turning evil, Lotso turned evil in this regard. So, you mm-hmm. get to see his backstory and how much he loved his owner and the separation that happened really bothered him and he was so dedicated and wanting to get back to Daisy and he they walked so far it was him and Big Baby and Chuckles and they get there and he's been replaced just him mm-hmm. and so then he loses his mind and she's like he's like she doesn't want us anymore and Chuckles is like she just replaced you yeah, and then he big baby could go back manipulated all of that to get to where he is and then he ended up at Sunnyside and just harbors this resentment and that's how he got to the top of the the food chain at Sunnyside but really getting that backstory and understanding how he is the way he is gave a level of ah villainess to in a way that we hadn't gotten from the bad guys in the first two yeah, it's very did like the way they've managed because the first one the bad guy is sort of I mean it's existential really but it's more I guess it's Sid as far as a physical bad guy. Yeah, Stinky Pete they give you a sort of a relate like an understandable reason for his uh, anger and mm-hmm. his 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 sort of villainous ways. But this is sort of they they actually give you they show you again like we talked about with Jesse like is is that his 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 um, behavior is inexcusable. But it is relatable. Like, it is, like, very much a situation of, like, pouring all of your heart and soul into somebody just for them to replace you. Uh, it, it can be it can be a devastating uh, uh, realization. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Poor Lotso, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I don't feel bad. I mean, Lotso got what came to him in the end. Yeah. But, like, you, you, you see the depth of... Of. Right, yeah. After you, you, David, you mentioned that Sid is kind of the the conflict in Toy Story One, but what it's kind of interesting. After Toy Story One, 
all these movies are about more than just um, uh, standard conflict of a film. It, they go deeper. Where the first one didn't really; it was kind of surface level stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, they really changed and had to introduce these villains in in new, deeper ways. Um, I think in order to avoid just making Toy Story over and over again. Yeah, it, it's and they really found a way to explore every version of what could be bad for a toy you know whether it's yard sales or christmas or birthdays or being left behind you know being that type of lost toy um you know we're gonna see toy story 4 soon and so we don't really know what level like how bo peep got lost or got given away or however that happened to her like they just find they they managed to like because because Lotso's reason is very different than Stinky Pete. Stinky Pete never got bought. He never had an owner. So, like, yeah. all his frustration is from being unloved. Yeah, he was never one. Versus Lotso, who had love and then had lost it lost. It. It's it's such a... Like, they've, they've found different ways to motivate these characters. Um, and that's... I feel like that's one of the reasons why Lotso kind of stands out is it's a more... It's even it's even more relatable than someone who never had it. Andrew? Yeah, well, quiet for a little bit. Yeah, well, I've just been... Uh, one of the things I have to say about Toy Story 3 is Pixar's writing has gotten way better. And I think with Toy Story 3, with Toy Story 3, this is kind of the apex of their writing game, I will say. Because, like, in in 2000s, in the 2000s, they're, they've really stepped up... They really stepped up in their storytelling. Mm-hmm. Because... I can't name all of all of them off the bat, but every one of them has consistently like gotten gotten rave reviews about their writing, and I think this is probably one one of the few movies that I will say that is that is demonstrated, you know, plot wise, character wise, humor wise, emotional wise, excitement wise, and. It's it's really a film for the ages when you think about it because it was written by Michael Arndt, who had won an Oscar already. Yeah, he, he was yeah. an Oscar winner for uh, what was Little it? Miss Sunshine, Little Miss best Sunshine. original screenplay. Yeah, so you know you, you got him on his side with combined with all of these elements here, and you just like uh, the, in, in terms of their animation. I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but like in terms nah, of the, this an, relates to the movie. Uh, it's fine. Uh, the animation is incredibly beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take a look at the first one, mm-hmm. you take a look at this one, and it's almost like it, it you would you would not think they're the same. No, it's incredible, yeah. Yeah, and sound design is incredible. I'm a I'm a stickler for these things. Stickler. So, yeah, I mean, this this the screenplay for this was adapt was nominated for best adapted screenplay mm-hmm. at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, and Toy Story 3 was no- nominated for best picture as well. One mm-hmm. of the yeah. new animated films to be nominated. Yeah, best lost to King's Speech. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Michael Arndt wrote this. He had he had just won in two thousand six the Oscar for Little Miss Sunshine. He's the first um, screenwriter ever nominated for both awards on his first two scripts ever. That's so crazy. He's a he's a talented man. He went on to write uh, uh, the one of the Hunger Games movies um, and Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Well, there you go. That's. And he was on the senior creative team for Wally, so he's a um, creative, talented man. 
Tell, Writing is good. But yeah, you brought that up. But yeah, no, I'm just um, no. I think I think of anything. This is not to say that Pixar has fallen in quality, but I think of, of terms of quality. I think this is their most. I don't know how to word this. It, their most. I don't know. Most bestest, most bestest, most satisfying, most satisfying. Thank the extra, quality? the extra most bestest, highest quality. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like most, most quality. The film, Dwight Schrute. Like, the Dwight uh, Schrute. Well, has any other Pixar film been nominated Best Picture? Uh, Wall- did Wally uh, make it? Up. Wally and Up. Yeah, Wally. So these no, three. No, are no, no, I don't Wally think Wally wasn't, but Up was. Yeah, up well, was. Wally should have been. Wally should have been. <laughs> uh, so Up and Toy Story Three. Yeah, is Pixar's only Best Picture. And then Beauty and the Beast is the only other animated film to be nominated Best Picture. Says a lot right there. Should have won. Should have won. <laughs> Freaking King Speech. King Speech. I'll tell you what, it's a big, it's a great one list, One of these though. days, I want to see an animated film win Best Picture. Come 2010. It's, it's going to happen. 2010. Maybe Toy Story 4. Maybe 2010, Toy Story 4. you and I were hosting a radio show called Center Stage. That's right, we and, were. And uh, the 2010 uh, Academy Awards was a very uh, big Academy Awards as far as we were concerned on that show. That was the year they expanded the list of what could be nominated to like nine or ten movies. And so you had the King Speech... 127 hours, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, mm. and Winter's Bone. That's a stacked year, but Toy it's Story 3 is pretty good. I'm sorry. Toy Story 3, I wouldn't be surprised if it finished in the top three, honestly. Andrew's going to say The Social Network. The Social Network's probably good on there. Uh, the Fighter uh, probably finished really high on those lists, and Black Swan, I bet. True Grit. True Grit's nah, pretty awesome. Toy Story 3. <laughs> Toy Story 3. Yeah. Toy Story 3. True Grit. But I, I wouldn't be sure if the fighter's great, too. I really like the fighter. I really like the fighter. Yeah. I, I will say Toy that, Story 3, though. Sure. I mean... <laughs> What's the podcast about? Toy Story 3. All right. <laughs> That's the winner. You want to go talk about True Grit? You, you can talk about True so many grit, remakes. A remake... Yeah, to beat remake. all of these original movies? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Andrew, you're... Wow. You're, How uncreative are you? you you're, wow. You're, you're, let's just take... It's the, an that's original thing. It's a sequel, it is it's not, original. Yep. It and is original content. original property. Yep. Yeah. It is not a remake of something that people loved already. Yeah. You can take your true love grit love. Know, no, take they your don't. true grit love to your show. So many remakes. All right. Do you know? Yeah, do yeah, right listen to so many remakes. Do you know so, how many people well, not a bad idea. I hear talk about <laughs> true grit? Zero. But when I do hear people outside of you talk about true grit, this not the new one. It's the old one with John Wayne. Yeah, I don't do you good, John Wayne. That's the one. Oh, you pick it that up. People talk bring. about. That's better. Not the new one. So no. True grit. Go away. <laughs> You're fired. I will say Haley Haley Steinfeld deserved her nomination for actress. Yeah. But the movie, I don't know. True grit. I, I enjoyed it. I don't know if yeah, I, I, I enjoyed know if it. I would have nominated it for best. Although I do love the now, Coen Brothers, just in general. No, I mean. I- I like the Cohen brothers. Yeah, you're 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 messing with your own like personal beliefs of your feelings towards the Cohen brothers and your feelings towards Jeff Bridges and your feelings towards True John Grant. Wayne and your feelings toward westerns and your feelings toward the all things made before everyone else in this room was born. Like all of that <laughs> is clouding your judgment and you're making bad decisions and I'm here to call them out for you. Getting called. Andrew, you're on notice. <laughs> I put Kyle on notice last week or two weeks ago. Remember your friend Kyle? Oh yeah, yeah he's yeah. on notice. Still. Rockets away, remember? Rockets explode. Um, back to Toy Story three though. Well, just um, call your grandma. Andrew. It was nominated for several Oscars: Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Animated Feature, Best Sound Editing, and Best Original Song. It it went home that night with Best Dude. Animated Feature, 
and best original song for Randy Newman's We Belong Together. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> which is a great, it's a great song. So, uh, clap on the back 10 years ago to Toy Story 3. Um, it, uh, I guess, I don't think we can avoid it anymore. Let's hit some of your cry alert moments. This is an extremely emotional film. Um, as of the time I viewed this the first time, it was the hardest I ever cried in a movie. Yep. And so, since, since Garrett actually took notes on on yeah, these specific cry notes. moments, right. so let's go talk- through them and see who hit who get, who got hit. I already talked about the first one. Uh, whenever we mm-hmm. learn that a lot of them are uh, gone and that they're having to deal with Andy not playing with them anymore, um, that one that one got there. Um, I also got really teary eyed the first time that Woody and Buzz separated from Sunnyside when they all decide to stay at the daycare Mm -hmm. and Woody's like, I'm going to go back. And you see them separate for the first time. That hurt because of the the strong family connection that they all have. And, and seeing them not be together really got me. Now I have not cried at this point in time. These are just moments where I've been on the verge. Mm -hmm. So that one got me. Most of them honestly came near the end. Uh, as you might expect, I think I have a total of eight. Um, as soon as they went over the end of the conveyor belt, oh yeah, lost it like the immediately. Yeah. As soon as they were in the trash and they were going over that towards the incinerator, yep. And you saw that it was the incinerator. Started bawling. Um, I did make a note that as it was, a, I, go I got a question about that because that's a big moment. Yeah. Now, is that a cry alert for this viewing or the first? Because I got to think in the first, you couldn't have yet known. No. And so I wrote, this is my my note to this. As a teenager, when I saw this movie, uh-huh. um, that whole scene felt like it lasted forever. Yes. Watching this viewing, it's a very quick uh, moment. But because of the emotional connection that you have and the shock that I was in at that moment, I remember this vividly. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I, I had gone to see this movie with a bunch of friends opening night I think it was a midnight showing and we I remember sitting in the theater just distraught and stunned and shocked that this is how it's going to end I was convinced that they were going to burn those toys I was convinced because of the acceptance that they had, that they had. so at the in the moment I was more shocked in that particular moment. This time, knowing it was coming, just and knowing the emotions that are about to happen, uh, the wall came down and the the, the Arkansas River <laughs> was opened up <laughs> to flood into my eyes. <laughs> yeah. So this scene is is so well directed. Yes. Um. As as they're falling into the fire uh i believe it's buzz who was the first to accept yep jesse's like what do you jesse jesse's like what do we do now and he just reaches his hand out and then they slowly all grab hands and there's a moment um there's a there's a particular frame where the the toys are all strung together holding hands and woody is the only one looking at head on eyes open everyone else's eyes closed and i love how much that says about woody uh, his his courage and bravery that he is in his what he believes to be his final moments leading his friends into the unknown head first 
and I love it so much. I love it so much. Yep. Yeah. Like, and it's such it's such an extreme that when I started Toy Story 3 that first time, I didn't know we were going to be here. No. You know what I mean? Like, you're watching the movie, and it's like, oh, they're going to daycare, and oh, this is going to be, you know, crazy, wacky times, you know, and I'm sure it'll be sad at times and fun at times. I didn't know we were going to be this extreme of a low end. Yeah, we didn't think we were going to have a a near-death experience. No, exactly. And it's such a, there's no way out. Like, it's hopeless. It is literally hopeless getting out of this situation when you're you're watching the first time. You just kind of have to go like, I I guess this is it. it. Yeah. Because like, what way out is there? They they can't crawl out because everything's moving downwards. They can't, there's nothing to grab onto there. It's it's hopeless. too late to stop it. It's a downward slope. Like yeah. you know, there's no machine to turn off. And it's oh, and it's so and it's predicated by the the moment. Like we talked about, um, we talked about uh, Lotso, and they he had a moment to redeem himself essentially to come back to. to the good side. And he 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 just says no. He chose murder instead. He chose. He goes <laughs> see ya. And he just like you know he has a moment to save all the rest of them and just doesn't. After after so, Woody saved his life. After Woody and Buzz and saved Buzz, yes, his yes. life, and he just lets he's gonna let him die anyway. So it's a moment where like you don't feel bad for him in the end, you know, nope. because like he had his chance, he had a chance to get out of this, and so you're just kind of like, oh gosh, I can't believe this is gonna how's it gonna end. It was uh, I wasn't necessarily crying in the theater the first time because I remember I didn't cry at this, um, but it wasn't for lack of uh, wanting to. Like, I was very, uh, I remember, like, I was hyperventilating. I was, like, going, <sighs> like, I was just breathing really hard. Like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't breathe. Like, the smoke of the room was getting to me. And um, I was just so devastated. Andrew, do you remember, do you remember the first time you saw this moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I went and took, uh, I went and took a couple friends of mine who, uh, when took a couple friends of mine to to see this movie on like a like a Tuesday afternoon and I was I was watching after their kids and like <clears throat> I was watching after their kids and we went and saw this and I totally did not see any of this coming and yeah I, I had that same reaction I'm like oh my god is are they gonna die <laughs> and like and when they when they all started joining hands I'm like there really is no redemption here. Like, I, I guess they are going to die. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, how am I going to explain I, this to these two kids? Cause like, this is <laughs> you, not, wait, you said a couple friends of yours. They were children. They were children. It's <laughs> best friends. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were, they were friends of mine's kids. Oh, okay. 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 See, so, we got, we've been joking. That that Andrew's sense. old this whole time, but he's really like Jack. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's rough. Sorry. I should have clarified. That. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, like, I'm like, and why would you have to explain it to your friends? Kids, that's the parents' job. That's true. You don't have to do it. Well, like, I mean, because I don't want to. Right. I don't want. Yeah, if they left there completely wrecked, I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Wait, so were the parents not there? No. Oh, you were. What were you babysitting? Mm-hmm. Ah, you were okay. babysitting. See, if, yeah, if you had started out saying I was babysitting my friends' kids, this would have made sense. Yeah, well, I, I <laughs> and instead it didn't. <laughs> instead, you turned into Jack. I'm sorry. Yeah, now you're Jack. That's okay. You do these things. Yeah. People like Jack. No. So, but uh, to get back on target. Yes, I I was gonna say that it does feel like this is the end, and I think it goes back to that that one frame. I know it's hot. <laughs> Once Woody has accepted it, yeah, it, game over. Yeah, Woody doesn't accept anything. Mm-hmm. Woody always finds a way. Yeah, and he never stops trying. And the moment that he stops trying, 
Yeah, it's, what, we know what's gonna hate. They're gonna die. They're gonna die. Even, was, even Woody's resound to that. Resound. Like, yeah. Like when in when they got rescued. Oh man. It was just like a. It was such a sigh of relief, and 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 I would have never thought that happened. I mean, that, no. that's why I. That's why I think this is the best one, best written one of the bunch. It's yes. just like. In the end, it was the three aliens yes. of whom nobody really cared about. Well, no, 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 you completely forgot about them because they got whisked away, and they were never like super important. They yeah. were like, like Woody and Buzz are A players, Ham and Rex and Potato uh, Head. They're like B players. The aliens were C players if you at look best. at it in the structure. And so they got whipped away. You thought, okay, holy cow, they really are yeah. like in danger because they got rid of some of these toys. Yeah. Uh, so. It wasn't even entered in my mind that somehow they were able to escape. Like, at this moment in time in the movie, there was no way yeah. out. And then this big the claw drops down and grabs him. And honestly, I got to tell you guys, I remember the first time watching it. Such a dopamine hit that moment. <laughs> like, don't that thing comes down and it grabs them and it pulls them out. And I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh! Somebody like some human saw these toys in there or something, and it drags them out. And when and it didn't even occur to me what exactly it just happened. And then you see those three little aliens, and they go the claw, and I went, yes, <laughs> like, <laughs> freaking aliens, man! I just I just yelled the claw. Of course, of course, that's how they get out of this. You know, just like it was such a moment of like, I'm so glad that the people who made this story had watched the other movies, you know, because, like, somebody, some writer somewhere went, what if the claw saves them? Yeah. And you know that whole writing room went, oh, you're a genius! Yeah. Well, <laughs> because we can make, we can we can call back to the claw, and the claw actually is a savior in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was such a fantastic moment. And, and that's also one of those moments, because we're living in such a, we're living in, we're living in such a reactive, like a reactive uh, movie-going experience now. Because, you know, like, we go to Avengers, we go to Avengers, and, like, whenever whenever a character breathes, the audience goes wild. Yeah. I would have liked to have sat there on, like, opening night, which I didn't do. I would have liked to have sat there on opening night whenever the claw rescued him. Oh, yeah. And... and David's crying now. Yeah, I can just see he's the his eyes. I'm not <laughs> crying so much. I'm just, uh, I've excited myself. Well, like, uh, the, I think... What I want to allude back to beautiful, why this movie is beautiful, is that after they all get rescued and they're all dumped on the ground and those three aliens go over and Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, mm-hmm. Mr. Potato Head just says, you saved our lives and for that we are eternally grateful. Which is what the aliens and, have always said to them after yeah. you saved their lives. You saved our lives. We're eternally grateful. It's great. And uh, my, my wife was talking about how that moment actually chokes her up a little bit last night. Yeah. Uh, so moving more on to more crying Aries, uh, them get they got back to Andy's safely. The toys are boxing themselves up and going to the attic. They are clearly defined as attic this time. They're not going to be thrown away and mistaken by the mom. Uh, and Woody is going to the college box. And again, them saying goodbye to each other uh, crushed my heart because they weren't going to see each other anymore and the connection that they had. Uh when Andy's mom came into Andy's room <laughs> and saw his room all packed up, it just made me think of, like, when when I moved out, and I feel like mo- most of us probably had this experience when we are, like, moving out of our parents' home, parents have that reaction. Yes. And uh, made me think of my mom. 
And I'm yeah. getting sad she right says, now thinking about it. He says, I wish I could be with you always. Yep. I saw my, my mom, went, I've seen my mom go through that three times. Oh, and yeah. It was, it was bad every time. She just gets, she, like, she hides it so well. And uh, it's funny because, like, my, you don't, Andy does, Andy's dad's not in the picture. But, like, dad, some dads go through that too. Oh, yeah. But they don't show it the same way. And my dad showed it by, like, over examining my car before I left. He was, like, <laughs> looking at every, like, he's, like, over checking my car. And I was like, I'll be all right, dad. Yep. My parents just went like, "Get out! Right, see you later." <laughs> Freedom. You'll be back on Sunday, right? Yeah, my mom, my parents, my parents, for the record, quickly turned my childhood bedroom into a winery. So like, I, I think they're fine. Yeah, but they'll be okay. But in the moment, winery. Um, so they move on. Yeah, I'm kidding. Hey, no. I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding. It's not a joke, though. It's not, and I get wine out of it, and I'm not complaining. So I'll take it. Um, moving forward, uh, but or Woody decides to leave a note for Andy on the toys and says you should donate them to Bonnie. Essentially, so he takes them over there. Um, so I was thinking about that. Yeah, it, I, I don't think I recognized it till the second time. He wrote Bonnie's address. Yeah, right. I don't think it was a note. I think he wrote because he remembered the address from yeah. Google mapping it. So I think he just slapped the address on there, and he was like, "Oh, I guess I take it here." Yeah, yeah. Which I don't know if he wrote to me. Yeah, he like I. We only like he is aware of Bonnie, but it doesn't seem like Andy's met Bonnie before either. Yeah, right? he's no, met the yeah. mom. And, and his fan, the, the Bonnie's family knows Andy, obviously. Yeah. And so whenever he takes those toys over to Bonnie, and he starts unpacking them all and going through their backstories, and and just you can see his excitement in giving them a life to somebody else. Uh, hit me. It's mm-hmm. uh, one of my wife's favorite moments uh, is when Andy pulls Rex out and yeah. he pulls him out and he, like he makes Rex like cautiously come out of the box because mm-hmm. like Rex's eyes just poke out and he like looks around and then he pulls him the rest of the way out. Yeah, which is great because that's like Rex in character. But Woody, like that's why it's one of my one of my reason it goes into my theory that like whatever attributes the the player puts onto the toys is what they take on because mm-hmm. like he plays with with Rex so cautiously, right. <laughs> There was that, and so then uh, Andy sees Woody in there. Or Bonnie goes to look in the box after unpacking all of them and sees Woody and pulls him out. And you see this confusion on Andy's face of, like, how did Woody get in there? And then he sees how excited Bonnie is, and then he starts remembering all of this times with Woody and tells this backstory. And you can just tell that Woody feels it even though he's in his emotionless... um, toy state Mm -hmm. and you can feel Andy feel it and then they start playing together and just complete wreckage and then the playtime's over Andy gets to his car looks back says thanks guys drives away Woody comes back and he says see you later partner or whatever Uh, complete wreckage again and then the movie ends and it fades up to the picturesque clouds and Garrett cries for hours after (laughs) just (laughs) thinking about it all yeah, yeah. When I when I rewatched it for this show, I cried a lot, mm. and then I went to bed and I cried some more, <laughs> thinking about it. Seriously, I did. well, and I think there's I, there's a, there's an element that we're we're all we haven't talked right, about right, yet yep. is these toys. And again, if you look at Andy, we have all kind of grown up along the same timeline as Andy, mm. and so in 2010, most of us were in that same boat. Like we had graduated high school. But a couple of years ago, but we're still in that feeling of something new. We that those feelings of going to college and, and being in a different aspect of our lives mm-hmm. are still fresh on our minds. And the toys 
Because you don't ever see, outside of the first movie, you don't see Andy playing with kids. You see him playing with the toys. So the toys are his friends. These are the people that he grew up with. And it's that same feeling of moving on to a new chapter. Maybe. Isn't that friends? Yeah. Well, isn't that? Well, he had friends in the first one, but he never had friends. uh, You never see him after that. And two, he goes to camp. Yeah. So that's true. Assumingly, he played with other kids there, but he had no friends come over to his yeah. house. But so for right. for me, it's and like your kids are your fan, your friends at this point in time are going off on their their college journeys, or you're going off on your college journeys, and you have to start something new. And so I think then and now, even watching it, those feelings come back because of how fresh they were at the time. And so you see yourself as Andy, and you see the the toys as your real life friends but they're also connected to you because you've grown up with Andy and these movies if you're our age mm-hmm. so it it gives that extra connection and heart-wrenching feeling and that's i think part of why it has such that emotional connection with me and i think anybody i mean like yeah, like you said like i felt very much related to Andy but I feel like if I had been older, if I had been, say, my parents' age, I think everybody kind of has that moment they can remember back to, to like, maybe there may not be a specific moment, but that time period when you were kind of in between grown up and a child, you know, that you were going from high school to the workforce or high school to college or, you know, whatever that scenario was for you, putting away the, you know, the childish things and sort of taking, you know, putting yourself out there into the, the adult world and then that sort of loss of chi- that sort of loss of, of, of innocence that's there because we all kind of know once you get out into the real world things get way more complicated and they they stop you stop having those moments of imagination and fun things become real and you have to be you have to think in a very like literal basis a lot there's less room for for finding the fun and when you do it's it's great but like nothing is quite the same as being a kid and playing with toys i think um uh, it was alec baldwin said in an episode of a show i watched one time that he remembers being like seven years old and playing with his friends in the backyard and he he went back to throw a football and he remembers thinking this is the pinnacle of my life right here (laughs) like like this is the, the like all of humankind is built up to this moment of me throwing this football and once i let go of it Never, never, never things, never, nothing's ever going to be the same again. You know, like just that moment of pure play, you know, that we kind of lose once we grow up and it's a part of growing up, but uh, to have it captured in a film and have it captured so well and beautifully mm-hmm. and passing something onto a new generation, it's just, it's like Andrew said, the writing is great. It's so layered and it's so um, satisfying on every level. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, mm. Yeah, I didn't like having to watch Andy give up Woody. I didn't like that moment. He even he even he hesitated. He, he, took, he took him back from. He him. goes, "Oh wait a minute!" But you also think Woody put himself in that box. Yeah, Woody made this decision to go. I need. I need to be here. Our our journey has come to its end, and this is an opportunity to fulfill the dreams and imagination of another child. And this is where I belong. Yeah. Do we want to talk about a few of our least favorite moments? If I don't have any. I really don't have any. I have any. two. Okay, David has Monster. two. And like I said, these are literal moments. 
I remember being in the theater in 2010 and physically gasping when Bonnie pulled Woody out of the tree because I thought she broke his string. Mm-hmm. She pulls him out and there's a there's a there's a snap noise and I went <gasps> and then when his cord went back into him I went okay. Oh, gosh. Like, I was, I, I I remember, and I remember, with, gosh, that, that was way more intense than I thought, than that moment really should be. But I, I thought she had broken his string off, pulling him out of that tree. And then I got physically upset when I saw one of those children dip Jesse's hair in paint. Boy, I was like, man, no. I wanted to, like, like reach in there and go, no, you don't get to play with her anymore. Right. It's like, who is running this daycare? Animals? Yes. Like, how are they not... <laughs> Literal not caterpillars? Like, I understand. Like, yeah, I get that kids... Little kids are rough with toys. They're going to bang them around through them. But any, any self-respecting teacher or whatever would have said, Hey, don't dip the toys in the paint, though. That's making a big and mess. Also, maybe the kids don't get paint unsupervised. Yeah, no kidding. Mm. Well, I mean... What is happening in this freaking daycare? It's preluded by it's like not toxic. You know, like a kid breaks Rex's <laughs> tail, and I was like, "Oh, that sucks." And then, like you know, toy like like Buzz is getting licked and stuff. And then there's just a brief frame or two of Jesse's yarn hair getting dipped in paint. And I went, oh, "No, no, no, no!" Like I wanted to like run into the screen and be like a character and go, "Because right, how do they you. clean that?" No kidding. You like and afterwards, that. Jesse's like wringing her hair out with paint, and I was just like, "Oh, that's." Sucks. That's right. like ruining a toy. Like yep. I was very protective of my toys as kids. I would never have painted one or put paint on oh, one. Oh yeah, what a terrible idea! Like whenever that one kid was sticking that sticking those potato head pieces like up his up nose. his nose and stuff. I <laughs> like, had the eye halfway up his nostril. Ugh. Like I wasn't. I was never like the crazy person who like left them in the box my whole life or anything like that. But like the idea of like. Like little kids just ruining toys. Oh man, um, because, that sucks. Because this is a thing now in these movies. I guess I'll talk about this. It's not that I don't like that it happened. It just annoys me every time. Again, friggin' Potato Head. <laughs> if they had just listened to Woody, yeah. who again for the third movie in a row, <laughs> what a shock! Yeah. Was not lying to his friends like they assumed. Yeah. They would have never been in this mess. Yeah. But then again, in this movie, there's a moment where they go, Oh my gosh, Woody was right. Yeah. He's never been wrong. No. <laughs> Woody is almost universally correct on these situations. Why do they think that this toy who has always been there for them, who has been their friend all their lives, uh, lies to them all the time? Potato is overly skeptical of always. everything And he's Woody always says. wrong. How does Woody know? He's always wrong, but they always go along with Potato Head. <laughs> If I was Woody, I'd have been like, you know what? I am going to college. You people suck. Whoops, Potato Head got kicked into the yard sale basket. If yeah, Potato Head needs to be kicked out if anyone does. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a bad apple, I tell you yeah, what. Yeah, he's he's a baked potato. He's he is. An yeah. overbaked. You mean he's a you mean he's a bad tater? He's a bad tater. <laughs> what? That's not a thing. That's not a thing. I thought I just, that was gonna be a thing, but it wasn't. It's hashtag bad tater. <laughs> <laughs> to the top of the trends. <laughs> bad tater. Potato Head's a bad tater. Yeah, yeah, they never listen to him, ever. And that's always happens. That's my only hot take, and it's not even... It's just more of a character flaw. <laughs> um, so let's, uh... What? <sighs> any other moments? Gary, did I, did I spring any moments to mind? Nope. With my, with my, with my 
horrified reactions to toy destruction? No, I have nothing bad to say, and I will never say anything bad. So here's an interesting conversation starter, maybe. Should this movie have been made? Yes. Should it, though? Mm Mm-hmm. I would say mm-hmm. no, but I'm glad it was. I, I, yeah. No, I say yes, and Josh and I had this conversation. We, we had, you said that you felt, because one of the things that's come up doing this series is that a lot of people feel like number two is their favorite, which yeah. I don't understand. No, no, but we're uh, in the minority, and it's time we accept it. <laughs> but here's my thing. Yeah, I don't get it either. The story, for me, is, is a full life cycle of a toy. With his owner, Andy. The story came to an end whenever they reached that point. Because that is a life cycle of a toy. Mm -hmm. What do you do when your owner goes away? So, if you look at it from a timeline progression of Andy, it makes sense for this movie to have been made. It makes sense, but did you need it 11 years later when no one was asking for it? I think so. Because there was have only an interesting talk next week. I think I think Pixar intentionally, like they did Toy Story two because Disney asked them to. Like said, like we have you, we our distribution deals, three picture deal. We want one of those to be Toy Story two. After you finish Toy Story one, and they were like, well, okay. But generally, their philosophy was we don't want to do sequels unless we really have a story that works. Because the thing is, the risk is always for it to just not be good. Like why you know like the do a do a, a Toy Story three and it not live up to the first two like a cash and grab yeah and like that's why that's why the Cars series the only one the other one to get sequels is because for some reason they believed Cars two was a good story right. um, and that's I that's, think an important uh, point you're making is that when Pixar makes movies uh, for all intents and purposes that we understand they're not going in there with the purpose of making a franchise they don't think they're not thinking ahead to two three four five whatever. They're making this movie, right? Not setting it up for more. And, and if it takes eleven years or fifteen years to make it to, for a sequel to come along, they'll wait that time. They'll wait till they have the perfect story, as we've seen evidence with Incredibles. Like they took a long time between Incredibles one and two, when they could have made a Incredibles two like three years later if they'd wanted to. Uh, most of their movies could go on and have se- sequels, um, but they're not necessary because they don't feel like until they have the right story in place. I'm so glad Toy Story 3 ended up getting made, but I, mm-hmm. I remember thinking in 2004 or 5 when there were, when there was word of it, I was kind of like, I don't really know. I don't know if I want to see it, a, a third Toy Story because you know, what if it's, what if they ruin it? <laughs> what if they make I, it bad? I talked to a guy this week who loves Toy Story 2 and he told me that to this day he's never watched Toy Story 3 because he never felt like it was needed. Interesting. He felt like Toy Story 2 was the perfect ending and some people think that. It would be a perfect ending if they had stopped there. Like, it would have been fine. And that's, but I think, an important didn't. distinction for all these movies. They are all a perfect ending if they had stopped there. Yeah. Toy Story 1 never needed a sequel. No, it was a really cool... Like, the way they ended, that was really cool. Oh, puppy! But, and like, but I'm glad all of them ending. happened. Because exactly. they all... 2 and 3 have all proved themselves. And while the Toy Story franchise was always successful from a box office standpoint, it wasn't like Pixar was in need of... A, you know, a big cash grab. A billion dollars. Like, like every Pixar <laughs> film does pretty incredible. I think their worst performing film is still decent. Still mm-hmm. pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say that, like, when it comes to when it comes to sequels and gold standards, Toy Story, at least Pixar, I'm going to talk about Pixar, because Pixar kind of sets those gold standards, just like you guys mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like, 
they take years to develop the story. And I love that. You know, they're not, <clears throat> they're not, a, they're not churning movies out left and right. It's kind of like, I know I'm going to allude to this again. <laughs> it's like the dark Knight. <laughs> it's like the dark Knight. Of course it is. Because Ow! the dark Knight was written. <laughs> oh my God. No, but, but, spit it out. Sure. The dark Knight was written so well. And then we had the Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. which was four years later, and it looks very like worn out. Yeah. It looks like just a very worn out franchise. Here, it's not. That's worn the fear. Out. That's it's the fear not with worn a out. Yeah, people don't want sequels because they don't want a sequel to a great movie because the fear is you'll ruin it. Because mm-hmm. that's the, the the stereotype is that sequels ruin movies, and right. a lot of times we have learned. That is true. Or they, they depreciate Toy the Story, credibility of the first one or something. Cars. At this point, Toy Story 1 through 3, they don't have that problem. No. no. They, no. they each are at least pretty much as good or better mm-hmm. than the predecessor. Yeah. yeah. And and I think the best thing about Pixar, at least, is that not all other movies have sequels. I mean... Only three franchises. Let's see. Toy Story, Monsters, Inc. Oh, four, because I forgot about Monsters. Finding, Monsters Finding Nemo and, and, Cars. and Cars. and Oh, yeah, and then The Incredibles. And so the, they've actually expanded that. Oh. Because, you, like you said, Finding Dory is a sequel to Finding Nemo. Toy Story, Monsters, Nemo, Inc. Monsters, Cars, Incredibles. So okay, five, five now. Yeah. So, you know, five of, their, five of their, like, series, per se, have sequels. And then you have their original movies that are still very successful, mm-hmm. but they don't have sequels. Like, mm-hmm. if you tried to make a sequel to Up, no. Wouldn't make sense. It would well, not make sense. Or Wally. And Toy Story and Cars are the only ones that have gone beyond two. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, when it comes to setting setting the setting the standard, anyway. Now I'm overthinking it. Because Monsters University is not a sequel. It's, it's a prequel. prequel. But it is a series. And Finding Dory is kind of a spinoff. Yeah, it could be considered that because sure. it does sort of move focus. Very, it's very interesting how they handle all these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, Toy Story and Cars are like the true sequels. Well, Incredibles Two is a true. Oh yes, sequel. you're right. Yeah, yeah. sorry. It kind of picks up one. almost yes. exactly no, where the last one left off. That's right. I think that's the only time they've done that is one that's picked up like moments after the fu- the first. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's that's my take on like the gold the gold standard of sequels. You know, yeah, what they could have done them. The Bugs Life Two could have totally worked. I know they make a joke about it in Toy Story Two. They do. They make a little, uh, make a little blooper where Heimlich says it's a two movie, but it's not a Bugs Life Two. I loved Bugs Life as a kid. I was uh, always big on that. It's basically, uh, Seven Samurai, but with actors. Uh, <laughs> you want to talk about the Toy Story Three box office? I do want to talk about that. I was gonna, I was it gonna echo so hard. I was kind of echo Andrew's saying. <laughs> I think this may be the best third film in a franchise. Sure. If that that oh, might yeah. be my hot yeah. take, is this I mean, might be the best third third movie in a franchise, especially after so many years. Yeah, mm-hmm. after such a long gap between two and one, two and yeah, two a lot and of time third. Now sequels are filmed back to back. Yep. This one yep. was literally how I don't know, fifteen years after Toy Story one. Yeah, and then like eleven after Toy Story two. So um, there are a lot of good third movies in a franchise and that might be an interesting list to do someday the best the best the two movies the best three movie the best yeah. four movie we might need to do a special podcast on that or something one of these days um anyway toy story 3 debuted in the weekend of june 18th so almost a full 
uh, nine years ago today. Mm-hmm. Uh, way back in 2010, it finished with a three-day opening total of $110 million in the United States. That's pretty good. That's huge. That's big. Uh, huge. Also in the top 10 that week, <laughs> also in the top 10 that week, was um, it was a real weekend for like... Uh, like, uh, how, how should I put this? If you grew up in the 80s, you might have had weird flashbacks if you went to the, the box, if you went to the theater this weekend. Because you had Toy Story 3, The Karate Kid at number two, The A-Team at that. number three, Get Him to the Greek, Ugh. Shrek Forever After <laughs> at number five. I can't believe all these Get Him to the Greek issued, uh, elicited a groan. <laughs> Prince of Persia, Sands of Time at number six. Jonah Hex opens at number seven. Oh, devil of. Andrew, you don't know what Get Him to the Greek is? <laughs> it's a sequel slash spinoff to Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. Sars, um, Russell, uh, Brand. Russell Brand and Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Right? I think. I think. It does. I think that's right, yeah. And then a bunch of other people Which who is, are you know, of that type of character. The character from person. that movie that we all wanted a sequel from. <laughs> <laughs> Not um, the one who's a movie star or the one who is now a musical <laughs> prodigy. Okay. <laughs> Let's get Russell Brand. Number... <laughs> Number eight is Killers. <laughs> number nine is Iron Man 2, which was in its seventh week. And at number ten, everybody's favorite movie about a dog, Marmaduke. Who could forget Marmaduke? Me. Who could forget Jonah Hicks? Voiced by, I believe, Sam Elliott. <laughs> is that who voices him? Sam Elliott? I think. Oh, man, that sounds actually worth watching now. Doesn't that also have Owen Wilson in it? Did Owen Maybe. Wilson do two of these dog movies? It's he did a shame that Marmaduke never got a sequel. We'll never get to talk about it. <laughs> What about Jonah Hex? So, Jonah Hex also never... Jonah Hex debuted to $5 million. Which is... Yeah, opening weekend, number seven. That's a literal bomb. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, um, I'm sorry. Owen Wilson was the voice of Marmaduke. I remember... Sam Elliott was someone else. I remember a review for Jonah Hex said, um, is it ironic that there's an actual train wreck in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I said, so, I remember that. So that stood out to me. That's um, a bad... That's a bad weekend. It's not Let's overall. It's not one. great overall. Toy That's Story bad. Three, The Karate Kid's your number two movie. That was in its second week. The A Team uh, is in its second week at number two. Get him to the Greek and Shrek Forever After. That's your top five. Shrek Forever After was in week uh, five at that point. Um, and these movies weren't necessarily doing terrible. You know, Karate Kid for a remake starring um, uh, Jade Jaden Smith um, and Jackie Chan was up to 107 million by that point. A Team wasn't doing that great. It was at 50 million. Uh, Get him with the Greek was at forty seven, and uh, and Shrek Forever After had already made two hundred twenty million dollars that weekend. So or by that weekend, so you know it was kind of a so so weekend. It's not a surprise that Toy Story three came in and just dominated, and then continued to dominate for the next couple weeks. In total, Toy Story three would finish with four hundred fifteen million dollars in the United States during its twenty four week run. If you add that with its six hundred and fifty-one point five billion, uh, excuse me, million from overseas markets, it's a worldwide total of one billion point six dollars. Well, not one point six, but one billion point oh six billion. Wow. Anyway, that is the one two. See, that is the uh, seventh one billion dollar movie we reviewed here on so many sequels. The others include wow. Avengers one through four and The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Those are our other billion dollar movies. That we have reviewed. Um, it was the number one movie of 2010. Some other highlights from that year include Iron Man 2, Harry Potter and the Death of Hallows Part 1, 
Inception, How to Train Your Dragon, True Grit, The King's Speech, and the modern classic Little Fockers. All <laughs> came course. out. Of course. <laughs> all came out back in 2010. That's cool that it was it, the highest grossing of the year. It was. It was the highest grossing movie of two of uh, 2010. Uh, it was the second highest rated G film, a uh, G rated film of all time. The fifth highest animated film. The third highest Pixar film. That might change coming soon. It is the 26th highest all time domestic, and it is the 28th all time worldwide. Dang. Now to wrap it up for this week's box office stats. Wow. Well, uh, unless I believe, there are any questions, I don't have any questions. I don't think it made a lot of money. It um, did. Looks like it doubled its budget in the U.S. alone. It did. Uh, I believe you're also in charge of the Rotten Tomatoes game this oh, week. Oh, I am. I think That's you won Toy Story that. Two. Um, I'll see if my guess was right. Why don't I? So last week, Toy Story Two was 100, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They both have been. Yeah, Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2 are 100. So who wants so to make the first guess for Toy Story 3? I, I, guess. I don't know. I might not get to play Andrew's next Andrew's got week. his hand raised. I guess we can call on him. He's going to say Andrew, wants to say something first? Go ahead. 100? Yeah. yeah. Well, that gummit. I'm going to say 100. Okay. Andrew, I'm not even there yet, man. I'm going to say 99. I'm already calling it. All right. So Andrew says 100. Three in a row is hard to do. Three in a row is hard to do. I'm I figure it'll be 98. That's three pizza tough. We'll just all go down one. Okay, so you say 100, you say 99, you say 98. Yeah. yeah. Bit uh, of a boring right. game this week, but that's the name of the three game. Three Pete's. Yeah, it's hard, hard to do when they've been star. so high. But like, uh, at 100%, I feel like this movie's worthy of 100%. I don't yeah, but here's the thing. I just think three in a row is hard We've to do. We've been in the yeah. minority of people that's lately thinking that two was perfect. I think three is perfect, mm-hmm. but I and I don't I don't know I don't trust it I don't think okay. it'll be I don't think it'll read be us, read so us critics consensus. consensus let's see if this changes anybody's tune. Deftly blending comedy, adventure, and honest emotion, Toy Story three is a rare second sequel that really works. I don't have anywhere that else to help go at all. No, I don't have anywhere <laughs> that else to go. All stuck. three picks. So you're sticking with one hundred. It really defends his pick. Honestly. It does. Yeah. You're sticking with one hundred. You're sticking with ninety nine. You're sticking with 98? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Based on 303 reviews by critics, the winner this week with 98% is Garrett. Anybody want want to take a shot at the the audience score? 100. It should be. If it's not. It ain't going to be. I know know it's not going to be, but it should be. 92 from Josh. 95. 95 from Garrett. I'm going to say 96. 96. Well, you'd all be d- 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 wrong. <laughs> 89% from the audience. Oh, you know wow. what audience you can, go, you can go jump off of the cliff. <laughs> Based on 600,000 reviews. Go, <laughs> uh, a few. Oh, what now? What? <laughs> <laughs> that from Dana Carvey a long time ago. <laughs> what did you say? I missed this. I don't know what he said. Let's cut. I can't wait we'll, to listen to that on the we'll review. We'll get this out right. out after. Here, here are a few uh, reviews from top critics. Yeah. Uh, when teenage Andy plops down on the grass to share his old toys with a shy little girl, the film spikes with sadness and layered pleasure. A concise, deeply wise expression of the ephemeral that feels real and yet utterly transporting. I truly think it's 98 because you're going to find a handful of critics in there who will say similar things about we didn't need it. Let me find. Let me see if I can't I find. I, I don't see any. Uh, here's a four star. It's review. hard to find the the well the thought out jokes for a second sequel. Top notch. That's like one of the highest bad. I say bad four star reviews. Like I don't think there's probably anybody who gave this a rotten. It's just a matter of uh, somebody <laughs> gave it four stars instead of five. What are our personal ranks? 
Five. Five. Yeah, I give it a full yeah. five. Yeah, full five. Five share of stars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah five share. What? Without question. It's the strongest five I've given a movie with without question. All right, so next week, we're doing it. We're doing Toy Story 4. Uh, t- nine, nine years later. Nine years. Nine years. It's 2019. That was 2010. So, yeah, this is a, 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 a shorter gap than two to three yeah somehow <laughs> but barely um i don't know i don't know man i'm excited it's been rumored for a long time it's, a toy story yeah, four and i was always against it until the reviews you read a few weeks ago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which were dynamite which were dynamite so we'll see we're gonna jump into that um oh i'm excited in the meantime though you can go back and listen to all our past shows if you need to catch up on toy story again do that online. Uh, you can find us uh, on Facebook, So Many Sequels Pod. We're also on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on those places. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we're now on Anchor, SoundCloud. Sounds pretty much tooth. anywhere you can find podcasts. And it also right Soundstooth. And Soundstooth. I, I, yes, how could I forget Soundstooth? Uh, the free uh, app that's... Uh, sweeping local, the nation. Sweeping the nation. It's full of local content from a lot of great Oklahoma... Um, Artists and entertainers, we're we're glad to be there. You can find that on your uh, Apple App Store and the Android App Store, whatever they're called. Download them there. We'll be back next week with Toy Story 4. Until next time. You listen to our podcasts, and for that, we are eternally grateful. <laughs>